Hey everyone, this is your host Josh Baker with the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these type of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Adriana Leo. She is a wealth coach and helps women take control of their financial lives. Adriana has had over a decade of experience in the financial management and has helped dozens of people reach their financial goals. She believes that there are certain steps to become your own hero. So, Adriana, thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say and just overall just looking forward to what you have to say. But I'm one that likes to get straight to the point. I noticed when you reached out that you said that you had a Cinderella story. So I think it's only natural of me to ask, what is your Cinderella story? I know. Actually, I call myself an undercover Cinderella <laughs> because uh, primarily because one, I was not rescued by a Prince Charming and I never had a, a wicked stepmother. My parents love each other. They're still together. All that good stuff's going down. But I did, I do believe I had a bit of a Cinderella mindset. And that is one that I've seen reflected in the women that I talk to, my girlfriends, my friends, my clients, um, when I talk about being an undercover Cinderella, I'm talking about being, you know, on the outside, you know, the strong woman, the woman that's like, I am woman, hear me roar, you know, watch me take over and all that. Very, very strong external persona. But on the inside, I was still doing that internal damsel in distress thing where I was I was kind of still waiting to be rescued. I was still waiting for Prince Charming to ride in and, and rescue me and um, fix everything that wasn't right, especially from a financial perspective uh, and from the perspective of like me and how I perceive myself and what I considered wholeness for me as a human and as a woman. So that's kind of my Cinderella story. I can say that I have my Prince Charming. We've been married for over 20 years, almost 22. Um, but yes, even in that, um, the undercover Cinderella was still kind of there poking around. <laughs> I think that's great. Thank you for clearing that up. Undercover. I like that. Sounds way cooler, right? Undercover Cinderella. <laughs> I know I think... it's me in my spy movie. I love. I love the, uh, the James <laughs> oh, yeah. Bond in it. <laughs> add, add a little, yeah. So the James Bond to it. Uh, perfect there. So you you mentioned like yeah, you wanted to be that strong woman, right? And then on the inside, you're kind of distressed. Yeah. I, I'm kind of interested to kind of get a little bit of your journey. How how did you? become that like from the inside how did you become that person that you were talking about uh, yeah. from the inside you know what I think uh, I don't think I, I know that a lot of it that waiting to be rescued that uh, that feeling of not being whole without having a counterpart to come take care of it by by large it's um it's something that I believe is systemically programmed into us. I think gender roles, and, and I'm going to be saying male and female um, a lot, but understanding that there are those who identify outside of those. But mo the stories that we have been programmed with have very specific roles for what the guys do and what the girls do, you know, and 
up till now, this is being recorded in 2022 and you still see a girl section in the toys full, full of dolls and you see a boy section of toys full of trucks. The programming is still there. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear about this, Josh. I grew up with my brothers. I was changing carburetors and had greasy fingers from the time I know myself, I That's hated so cool. <laughs> being called inside to do any manner of housework, but it needed to be done. So I was exposed to being able to do all this stuff because my parents raised me that way. You just did whatever was mm-hmm. there to do. You did it. So I think there was a there was a lot of conflict internally having this freedom as a child growing up to do whatever my brothers were doing. And then growing up in a world where I remember one time I'm dating myself here, but I grew up in the beautiful Island of St. Lucia in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. And in that time, the, the girls still were not supposed to be seen or heard. You're just supposed to do your thing in the corner. And I remember one time my, my, brothers had taught me to ride a bicycle one of the very few girls in the community who did and I fell I was riding around the library one time and there was some sand and grit on the street and just you know going around the corner the wheel just slipped out from under me and I fell and I remember one of the old grouchy old men that was sitting in the gate somewhere I heard him mutter oh that's right that's bound to happen to you because you have no business being on a bike Oh, my goodness, that really, really just pissed me off. Um, But it's that liberation, that feeling that I know I could do anything, Mm -hmm. but knowing that the system, the world around me didn't quite welcome that I could do everything. And it's that conflict that kind of had me brash and, you know, strong and roaring on the outside, but still fighting that inner dynamic where I know there's resistance on the outside. I know... Ask any woman who walked into a car dealership. I don't know if you've had that experience of maybe your your mom or your girlfriend trying to buy a car. It is, it's hell. Because oh, for they, sure. <laughs> they pat us on the head like we're good dogs. I'm like, no, it, it's, it's quite a thing. So a lot of what I experienced on the inside came out of conflict of what I saw as my potential and what the system, where the system wanted to keep me. Gotcha. So you had almost that freedom and then you wanted, you were, there was limits, right? Society yes. was placing limits on you and you wanted to fight and break those limits that were there. Yes. Am, I, am I getting that kind of right there? You are absolutely right there. And um, it takes a certain amount of strength to keep fighting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? After a while, you kind of get beat on the head and you're like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. But I'll tell you in all honesty, part of what kind of helped me come out from being that undercover Cinderella was not fighting the system anymore. Like, you know, it's like, I really did get tired. I, I, I decided not to fight the system. I learned the system. So I became a traditional financial advisor and I learned money inside and out. I mean, I managed people's money um, and I did it well. And then I decided, okay, that's the system. That's the game. Those are the rules. I know how to play to win, but I'm going to do it on my terms. I I actually think it's so great that you mentioned that because a lot of people I hear constantly just all over the place that you're complaining about, oh, there's just this in place, this in place. And then like, honestly, if you were to learn the game, 
and then play it better than anyone else. Yeah. Then you win and you come out on top. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was definitely just, this is naturally my parents didn't raise me this way, but I was more of a, I just naturally was competitive. I'm like, I'm going to either be first or last is kind of my mentality. It's like, I'm either going to just relax and be last and just have a good time or I'm, I'm going to win type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the best way I found to do that was just play the game. I'm like, yeah, you, you have to realize that you're actually playing the game. So yeah. I kind of want to ask this uh, kind of came to mind. Um, how did you ownership is kind of what's stirring in my mind right now. How would you help someone, you know, take ownership of their lives, take ownership, maybe in more specific question here, how would you help them take ownership of their financial lives? Yeah. And I love that you've, uh, I've, I love that you've tied it to ownership because I think that's a big part of it. A lot of our sense of not having control, that feeling that, I mean, all of us feel it, male or female, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. There's, there are places or, or experiences in our lives where we're like, I have no control here. And we feel that's where the exact, listen, you take control when you appreciate, when you honor, when you can love everything about yourself. When you can make any experience unique to you, you can absolutely take control. You can take ownership of your journey by making it yours. And that's where I'm, again, I'm saying, learn the rules, then play it in a way that that you play it to win. So a lot of times when it comes to finances, you don't know how many people, Josh, how many women have said, I'm not good at math. Women will say, you know what, I I suck at managing money. I've never been good at math. And I sit there and I'm like, managing money actually has very little to do with math. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 basic concepts that we attribute to managing money, addition and subtraction. We kind of mastered that not long past kindergarten. Right. (laughs) However, every last one of us struggles to understand that if we don't have money in the bank, we should stop spending. You know, Mm -hmm. but we whip out a credit card and we whip out our lines of credit and we whip out all of that. The truth is every financial decision that you're making comes down to an emotional response. And I I said this on my thing on my uh, my own show yesterday. Every decision that we make is an emotional one. And then we use logic to justify it. So taking ownership of that understanding own why we make the decisions we're making, honor that, and then make decisions that will get you to where you want to go. So I think taking ownership comes down to allowing yourself to have unique experiences that honor who you are, right? I Yeah, I, I love the answer that you had there. It kind of reminds me of, I talked with someone back recently on the show and I remember they continually brought up self-awareness. You have to have that awareness in yourself to recognize, hey, like I can actually do this, like take control of this situation. But I also, I kind of want to ask this, this is just kind of a random side note that came to me, but when you were mentioning uh, finances, it really is just addition and subtraction. The thing I've recognized, because I've dabbled in that area and I'm, well aware of what's going on in my personal finances, but I've, I've found that it's actually vocabulary. That's the biggest thing. It's not, it's not math. It's actually learning what the word (laughs) is. And I don't know if that's true. I I would love it if you could shed some light on that. 
Well, you know what? I think the the vocabulary is important because we need to understand the concepts. I think the mm-hmm. vocabulary comes down to learning the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Understanding the game. What are the rules? What can I do in this position? Like, can I throw past the this this many yards without a catch? Or I don't know. I'm not even a football person, but <laughs> I hear it's what's it's what's happening these days. But you know, once you understand the rules, you understand the boundaries. You understand the rules. That's where the vocabulary comes in because then you can talk the talk, and then your strategy is where you walk the walk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think the two together help you take ownership and kind of stand strong in whatever strategy you decide to deploy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the two together are absolutely important. And I think, again, to your point of the vocabulary, I think the vocabulary allows you to make a seat for yourself at the table where these conversations are happening. Um you're learning, you're listening, you're understanding. And when the time's right, you can chime in with something that sounds like, hey, this person knows what they're talking about. So yes, I agree with you. The the vocabulary goes in there definitely with your your strategy for sure. Yeah. I I you mentioned the uh talk the talk and then you lead to the walk to walk. And I full believer in that. I think that there's this famous quote that came to mind. It's your thoughts become your, your words, right? And then your words yes. become your action, action become what happens in a year. And then your year becomes your destiny. I, I don't remember yes. the exact quote off the top I got of my you. head, don't worry. but like it comes down to your thoughts, but specifically the talk to walk, like making it come into action. How do you have help someone? Cause I think fear is that limiting factor, right? Yeah. In between the talk to walk. How would you help someone overcome that fear and instead of just speaking it and understanding it, actually implementing it and yeah. making it a reality? Yeah, it, you kind of need to want something more than you're afraid of that other thing. I kind of equate it to the monster in the closet. It's kind of like um, it's dark. You think there's a monster in the closet, but you really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right. What which one's going to which one's going to rule that 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 experience for you? Is the monster gonna keep you stuck in the bed? You're gonna soil yourself, you're gonna ruin your bedding. Or are you going to want to preserve that scenario enough that you're going to run past the monster and get to your destination? I honestly believe that women have let go of their dreams because of the fear of, you know, the financial system, the way everything's set up and and what have you. And sometimes the shared challenge of it all. We have to name it. So name your fear. What exactly are you afraid of? And I don't like when people say, you know, kill the fear. The, The truth is, I think fear is there for a reason. Fear Mm -hmm. is there to inform us. It's either to tell us, okay, this is the hurdle. Let's strategize how we get over it. Or fear is there to say to us, you know what? This is something that we need to handle. We need to deal with it. Let's work on a strategy. Let's make a plan. So for me, I don't try to avoid fear. What I help my clients to do though, is to help them latch onto a dream, a desire, something that they want badly enough that they will face the fear. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's almost like a survival, like it's in our DNA, right. To 
fear fear is naturally going to happen to us and yeah. it's in our instincts when fear happens to run from it or you know go up and fight it yeah so i i'm i was just that's a great explanation that you had there and i think it ties perfectly back into ownership right it's like you're taking ownership of your life and you're like you know yeah. this is some a fear of mine right and i i have this and then another business that i do as well and mm-hmm. i'm telling you every day i there's days where I'm just like terrified, right? It's like, yeah, I, I mean, it's the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's literally, you're just like, I have no clue if this is going to work out, right? Like, yeah. I think naturally as human beings, we want to be able to see, you know, two, three, four, five years in the future. Yeah. But all of a sudden, when there's that uncertainty, like, wait, this two, three, four, five year plan that's in place that for this is what I'm envisioning might not happen. It's like, yeah. It, it can become daunting and you almost want to just cower and hide. So how do you help someone just break out of that? Just how do you get someone to say, you know what, I'm not going to cower behind the shadows. I'm going to, I'm going to break out and I'm going to seize the opportunity. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I help my women to see is this, uh, well, a question I typically ask is uh, think back to every challenge you faced up to this moment in your life. Mm-hmm. Every hurdle you've hit, every disappointment you've had to deal with, every uh, time you were told no, every time you lost an opportunity, every single time that thing happened and you came up to it, what happened? Well, guess what? The answer always is you dealt with it. You worked around it. Even if the answer was, I ran away screaming with my tail between my legs, whatever it was, you're here in this moment. The challenge has never killed you. The hurdle might have hurt your leg, but it didn't put you out. So it's kind of like resting in the assurance of knowing that even if you can't see every hurdle up ahead, having the confidence in knowing when it comes, you can face it. I think that takes a lot of the stress and anxiety off. I think when we, one of the things I do with my clients is I call it a get out of fail plan. So, you know, how you on Monopoly, you know, you uh, get out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my programs, we have a get out of fail plan because a lot of times, we we're so gung ho, you know, I'm ready to do this, you know, success is ahead right around the Mm -hmm. next corner, not realizing that the road to success is never a straight line. It looks a lot like the stock market sometimes up (laughs) and down, up and down. Right. So how about instead of having an unrealistic expectation of success, we actually create a practical plan to get out of failing. Right. Mm -hmm. That means One, you're going to fail. Two, if I make a plan for it, if I can identify what failing looks like, in fact, I help them identify what it's like to slip. So before you actually fall, what is it going to look like when you start slipping? You know, slipping into a a, a previous behavior that you wanted to change or slipping back into a fear mentality. What's it going to look like to slip? So you can recognize, whoa, I'm slipping, I'm starting to slide, and my journey is starting to get a little erratic. When we formulate a get-out-of-fail plan, we set reasonable expectations, 
and you don't have to have a crash before you get back up. Do you see what I mean, Josh? It's like, let's plan realistically. We are going to mess this up. (laughs) (laughs) I I like the correlation you made to the stock market because, I mean, overall, right, it's every day, it's bam, up and down, right? Up and down. That's, I mean, it's similar in, I think, everyone's lives. It doesn't even have to be finances, right? It's you're one moment you're like freaking feel like you're top of the world. And then the next moment you're like, crap, I, but uh, something that I know a lot of people that, you know, trade stocks and stuff. I'm like, they have that plan in place. They recognize patterns in order to make the right trade in order to make money, make success. It's almost like you need that failure, right. In order to get that success. This, the stock price has to be low in order for you to get it high, right? Like, yeah. It has that, to be there that, at some point. Those depressions are opportunities for the people who are looking for the right signs, right? And you jump on those. So just like um, a, a, a stop order or anything, I don't want to get technical about the stock market, but just about anything can be used to help you identify that and see the opportunity to get back up again, you know, let's run this. And by golly, Josh, I think a lot of times ah, finances are like do or die situations. <laughs> oh my goodness, doom and gloom. It's like the sky is falling if your stock drops or the sky is falling if your real estate opportunity kind of hits a hurdle. Can we just lighten up just a little bit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like take oh. some of the, the 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 strain and stress out of that experience and um, have a wonderful life. Like by golly gee, I, I think that's a big part of what's wrong with this thing anyway. So that's just me. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think a lot of people get so focused on making the money that they actually forget to enjoy the life, right? That they yeah. live, enjoy the process of getting to that point because something I constantly hear it's like there's there's people that you know go out and they're just like all right I'm gonna work my tail end off I'm gonna make all this money and then retire right it's I hear it all the time yeah and I'm like well do you actually like the business you're you know starting or you're you're getting into yeah like "Eh, it'll be fine though I I'm good at it and I'm like okay you're good at it but do you actually like enjoy it (laughs) Yeah, yeah and most of the time it's no and I'm like all right. All right. Let's say, let's say you get it. And I've talked with enough people that have gotten that success. And like, honestly, the results not as miraculous as you think. It's not like when you hit that millionaire status, it's not like, Hey, everyone, look at me. I'm a millionaire. Like, wow, I'm on top of the world. It's just now like what? <laughs> the, the number in your bank account just flips from uh, six figures to seven figures. Like it mm-hmm. just, whoop, oh, that was cool. Yeah. Right. And Add a zero. That's it. And that's, that's all that happened here. And sure. You're like, Oh, this is so cool. But then it's just a high. You're like, yeah. Oh, that was, that was cool. Now I can say it, but it, the result is never as good as the process in my mind. And I constantly tell people that, you know, are asking me, Oh, how, how do I do? I'm like, you have to learn to love the process first. Yeah. Like if you I can't l- learn to love the process, then the result one won't be as rewarding. And two, you're just not going to be as happy leading up to that point. Then you're yeah. just going to keep repeating the process once you get that result. Because let's say you get that millionaire status, you're like, "All right, that's great. Let's well, let's see. It wasn't as good as I thought. Let's maybe I have to be a multimillionaire. Let's get ten right. million. 
then they just keep pushing, pushing. They keep just digging themselves in a hole and they never actually get fulfillment because they never do something that they personally enjoy. Yeah. So I, I, like I don't know that. what your thoughts are on that, but I'd love to hear what you have to Yeah. Add. You know what? I, I could go so many places with this. I'm actually, I'll confess. I love confessing things because it gets it off my chest. <laughs> I'll confess that I, 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 I'm challenged by that because I'm all about the finish line. I'm all about um, getting to the end and Mm -hmm. I had to learn to enjoy the process. So one of the things, one of the things I ask my clients is when you look at how you do goal achievement, goal attainment, how you hit a goal, are you a marathoner or a sprinter? And um, I'm all sprint. (laughs) I'm like, let's just hit it hard, hit it now and go. (laughs) Um, But for people like me, saving for retirement just, just doesn't happen. Like, are you kidding I'm not working for a for a project that comes to completion in 40 years. Like what? No, I'm all about the sprint. So when, again, back to ownership, owning who you are and how you do money is essential. So someone like you, who's all about enjoy the process, would you would think that you would butt heads with me, but here's what I did. Because I understand I'm a sprinter, I set small goals. So short-term goals work for me. So I have miniature processes. Do you know what I mean? And I have short timelines because that's how I operate best. Someone like you who's all about the process and, you know, you don't mind, you know, going for a year, two years, three years, just, you know, working it through. That's awesome for you. You're good with that. Both of us get to create wealth and both of us get to enjoy the journey because both of us now have understood that about ourselves. But I have to also enjoy the process. I have to trust the process. And in trusting the process, I didn't try to change who I am. I used who I am to work the game so I could still win without trying to turn myself into something I'm not. So I'm a hundred thousand percent all about trusting and enjoying the process. I had to learn that. I'm still learning that. And I think depending, like I think uh, you mentioned you're more competitive. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not competitive. I can't be bothered. I'm just here to have fun, live a great life and be happy. However, gamifying things for you would be an awesome strategy, right? Just tell Josh it's either him or the guy next door and watch Josh just flick a switch and turn it on, right? Me, if you say to to a client that is not competitive, you know, it's between you and the person next door, let's see who can have uh, the best real estate investment. And I might just sit there and say, oh yeah, you go ahead, go ahead. Just just have fun, do your thing. And I'm just going to sit here and chill different approaches, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we both can't win. So I'm all for it. Understanding who you are allows you to enjoy the process because you can rig the system for your win, for your success. Exactly. I think it all goes back to understanding the system and playing the game, right? (laughs) You got to learn to play the game and and then come at it from an approach, recognize the opportunities and say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I could take this approach, right? Mm-hmm. And change the game. I, I, I watch my favorite sports basketball and uh, there there's, I, I'm sure you've heard of Michael Jordan, right? Phenomenal yeah. guy. And he changed, he changed the game, like just 
in popularity wise like he definitely changed that but something you'll hear a lot today is Steph Curry now (laughs) from a basketball basketball player's standpoint I'm like that's actually like I remember my high school coach he said honestly the only shots we're gonna be taking are layups and threes in the 1990s that wasn't happening you you just played basketball right but now like Steph Curry changed it so much that like he changed the game so much that now like people only take threes and like layups there's no mid-range game anymore yeah and it kind of reminds me I'm like those type of players they're they they change the game because they're like okay I'm gonna play by the rules right they played the game of basketball but like but how can I make it so then it works in my favor right how do I help this game make it so then I win right yeah and then they found a way like Steph Curry's like well I'm a good shooter I'm I'm short he's extremely short for a basketball player, right? he's still Yes, tall. I know. I was about to say my five <laughs> feet too. He's a giant. <laughs> yeah, he's he's huge for a basketball player. I mean, small for a basketball player, giant for your everyday Everyone Joe. Everyone else, yeah. But he uh, he he's pretty short, and I and he took the approach like, hey, like you can be a shooter, and I mean, as much as long as I have good ball handling skills, I can yeah. take a step back and. Yeah. shoot a three and it's farther away I'm not getting in with all these guys that are like seven foot and stuff yeah I'm only and he could maneuver and that's the thing I love that analogy I, I actually have heard of Steph Curry um I think imagine what he has done for others like him who were struggling to find their place you know to find a way to make a mark on the court so him doing that and doing it effectively didn't just change the game for him it changed the sport overall but it also he was able to exemplify a winning strategy for the short basketballer and and I think that's massive because we're opening doors when we get creative when we learn the system and we work the system for us I I I love that strategy another reason to love him uh, Steph Curry even more (laughs) yeah I I'm a jazz fan, so I'm a little bitter <laughs> about him sometimes, but it's it's okay. But That's I, all right. I have to respect okay. him. He's he's a good dude overall, and he's not like just going out like some players I know that maybe aren't the best uh, examples for people in everyday life. Yeah, I know. And I think, you know what? That's another great point, Josh, because we see the other players that are, you know, they're one thing on the court, there's something else off the court, or the ones where if you just breathe on them, they fall down and they call foul. I'm not Mm going to mention anyone's names. But we see all of these examples of less than stellar or exemplary behavior. But do we quit loving basketball? Uh, No, no. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of women, because of how we approach the world, we see all of these examples of, you know, shysters and, you know, cheaters and con men and all of that in, in, in money and wealth building, real estate development, stock market, all of those avenues. We see that. And instead of trying to find a way to keep loving the strategy, we just chuck it all and say, I distrust this whole sector. There's nothing but losers and cheaters in there. And we we just step away from it. Well, no, no, you need to appreciate, love the opportunity that's in there 
to, you know, maybe become a landlord. Or if you don't like being a landlord, maybe real estate as a private investor is the avenue for you because you hear of or you yourself have had a less than stellar experience doesn't mean we throw it all out because basketball is just a fun game. I mean, it's a great game. And when it's played well, we we need to sit and enjoy that. And if you if you've got skills, go play. <laughs> yeah, I you mentioned trust there. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a huge thing oh, that huge. we need. And it kind of plays into I, I want to drop the intelligent question of the day. And I, I'll share my thoughts on this after I have a thing that uh, an experience in my life that I think would be very beneficial for everyone, but how do you establish trust with people through just relationships, society, things like that? Trust will never be established if the other party is not open to trusting. And it takes both sides. Trust is always risky business. It always is because we cannot trust until we have evidence, but you're likely never going to get evidence to trust unless you do trust. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think trust is established when we, again, can kind of sit in the knowledge that, you know what, this is me. This is for me. I'm exploring and I'm going to see what happens. We will find the trustworthy um, opportunities, the trustworthy people um, once we open ourselves to that. And yeah, it might mean Uh, You get nicked here and there. You might not have the best experiences all the time. But I'm a believer that uh, trust breeds trust. Respect breeds respect. Um, Success breeds success. So kind of let's go out there. Uh, If you're open to be trusting, uh, I think the first thing you must trust is your gut. I am a believer that your gut is a really good barometer. And uh, as you trust more, you get to inform that barometer even more. And uh, you get to have some pretty awesome experiences when we kind of let our guard down for a bit there. Yeah. Everyone that's listening right now, that is the intelligent answer of the day right there. That was phenomenal. And I'd love to add something to that. I'll share my experience now. But uh, I remember, so when I was a teenager, I, I did some fun things. Let's just say I screwed around, did some things like that. But uh, I just remember I got in trouble one time and uh, my grandfather had been, he came down and he was taking me, I don't even remember where he was taking me, but he started talking to me about this trust, right? Because I had broken trust with my parents. He started talking to me about it and I was like, all right, this is pretty important. But I remember the one sentence I'll never forget from him is when he said, the best way to collapse, like just society relationships, anything, the best way to collapse anything is to remove trust from a situation. And I'm like, wow, that is like really profound. I'm like, like, I I, I just remember, and I'll always remember that. I'm like, I think honestly, we need more of that today. Like there's how many precautions are like people putting in place to like protect themselves. I like to extend that branch of trust. I'll say, hey, I trust you to, you know, pay me or whatever. Like when I do business or whatever with someone I'm like hey I trust you to pay me I'm not gonna like hackly or anything but you know if that doesn't happen then you're not gonna receive my service anymore just simple as that but 
for me, I, I just love the thoughts that you mentioned by trust. I think it's almost like an act of faith. It's like, Hey, I, yeah, it, you're making yourself vulnerable and you're like, you know, I'm trusting you to do yep. what I need you to do. And I, great answers all around. So uh, I hate to wrap this up here, but uh, if I know you mentioned a podcast, you also have a business, things like that. What's the best way they can get a hold of you, reach out to you? Do you have like a website, things like that? What's the best yeah, way they can do that? Totally. Uh, moneynavigator.ca or search Money Navigator on any of your social media platforms. I will likely pop up and be all up in your face everywhere you look. Um, my work is really to help women create wealth confidently and unapologetically. So if there's anyone who's struggling with that, if you're saying one thing and doing something else, or if you're just in, stuck in fear or overwhelm, that's where I come in to kind of uh, help maneuver. And it's always from a place of, believe me, I've been there. Trust me, I cannot judge anyone who's making a mess with their money because I've done some pretty <laughs> awful, awful things myself. And it's coming out of that that I'm I, I'm very, very confident in my capacity to help people because I've, I've, I've done some pretty awful stuff myself. Um, so yes, moneynavigator.ca. I'm up here in Canada in the... Uh, white north and um uh I, i'm really happy to help the world uh of, of women who are struggling with that and let me just plug this josh if i may i've got a money personality assessment that i would love for people to take mm -hmm. if you go to my website it's just take the assessment it comes right back to that ownership let's own who you are and how you relate to money and then we create strategy i'm right back at ownership awesome word yeah, th thank you for that. So for those of you that want to take that assessment, I think you should go take it. I might go take that myself. I want to see what uh, what that has to do. So, uh, Adriana, thank you for coming on. I had a pleasure speaking with you, hearing what you had to say. So just thank you all around for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. This was fun as I knew it would be because I had listened to your other episodes. And you know what? Thanks for being open. Um, thanks for sharing so candidly. And yeah, great conversation all around. Great insights. And I'm going to go check Steph Curry out again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, great player, by the way. So everyone, that is Hadriana Leo. As you can tell, that's an intelligent person. And I would go check out her stuff. She has great things to offer. And go take your assessment. I think that will just be something that a lot of us can benefit from. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for that week as well. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.